Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Just a couple of reminders. Baby news. (laughs) Baby news. A couple of royal reminders before we get into all of that. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join the Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast and pretty please leave us a royal rating of five stars. Also send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. We want to hear from you. Send us everything, all your love notes. Yes. It is Valentine's, post-Valentine's. Come on. (laughs) That's right. It feels like a decade ago from everything that's happened. I know. Roberta, how are you feeling? (laughs) This is how I'm feeling. (laughs) I just tried to clink my glass, but I don't have a good clinker. producer is going to be like, why did you do that? I'm going to cut this part. Uh, How are you? How are you reeling from this weekend of of royal news? I I feel great. I feel happy and excited and so ready to dissect all of the news with you and, and talk more I about know. it. Oh, me too. How oh are my you gosh. doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, how was your weekend too? I feel like it was Valentine's. There was a lot going on. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. It was pretty uneventful actually. Um, I received some flowers in the mail, which Aww. was very sweet. Go Dave. Uh, yeah. Oh, did you watch your concert that you were going to watch? No, but oh. I prioritize. Well, what ended up happening is I really wanted to do that, but then I was like, or we could spend $20 and rent Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which I wait, how was it? I I really recommend it. Please really? prioritize it. It's oh, worth the so money. Glad. That's what we ended up doing, which it's is on less romantic, now. but it was definitely a delight. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Did but- one of you cook dinner? Uh, Matt cooked dinner. He we have this nice. um, Asian dish that's um, I think it's a Morimoto recipe that is like mm. a favorite with steak over rice. It's like yeah, I had steak delicious. too. Yeah. I had steak and lobster. We had <sighs> surf and turf on Sunday, which was amazing. So nice, so nice. But okay, so we have a lot to talk about on this episode. First up, Meghan and Harry's baby announcement. I think that just kind of superseded, yeah, <laughs> superseded everything of the weekend. Like Valentine's, what? Like I didn't care. I just was focused on Meghan and Harry. Seriously, uh, we're also going to talk about the p- upcoming Oprah interview, which is just another like, oh my gosh, blows my mind, mind-boggling. Meghan's trial win, and so much more. And we do want to just have a quick disclaimer that this is a Sussex-heavy episode for sure. But next week we have Bethan Holt on to chat about the Duchess of Cambridge and her brand new book about about Kate's style. So uh, bear with us, but it's going to be a Meghan-heavy episode. And it was such a lovely interview. So definitely don't forget to tune in next week. But this week, what are we sipping, Rachel? And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Woo, 
So I mixed up a mocktail in honor of Megan and her um, news that she's expecting. I kind of had to scrounge around, to be honest, but this is... Uh, it looks pretty. It's lemon seltzer with a splash of iced tea and raspberries. It's actually really delicious, as basic as it sounds. And you have it in a beautiful champagne glass with raspberries floating mm. on top. It's very light and, yeah, I, I, I went for it in honor did of Megan. Did you do a lot of mocktails when you were pregnant with Finn? I did. I did have an incident where we went on like a quote unquote baby moon mm-hmm. and we went to this real in Charleston and we went to this really, really fun. fancy cocktail bar and that we wanted to go to that we were really excited about. And we talked to the waitress for a really long time about how I was pregnant and like I needed something that was a mocktail. And then she brought me over something. I took a long, big sip and it was alcoholic. She was like, I totally forgot. And no. <laughs> oh, my God. It was very funny. It was a memory. But I don't remember the name of the place. But it was, you know, I definitely want to go back. But it was hilarious because she felt horrible. But it was fine. No. It, was, it, was, it gave that... me like a little boost. <laughs> I'm sure she brought back like a delicious mocktail after. Yes, so she, did. she did. She did. Oh, funny. that's funny. Well, I am sipping iced coffee this morning because we're recording early on Wednesday, but not, it's not really early. I yeah, mocktails actually kind of worked out because I don't think I could I could add any alcohol at this moment. I know, I know. Uh, we did want to read a nice Facebook thread while we're sipping. So, of course, we're going to get into the Meghan and Harry baby news, and everyone's talking about it in the Facebook group and wanted to discuss names, potential names. So I love this. Someone posted, Alexandra posted, calling it now, Megan Harry's second baby will be named Wells or Wella to complete Archowell. <laughs> Which, like, I feel like I'm, like, the emoji of, like, mind blown. I'm like, what? That's one of my favorite emojis lately. <laughs> Did you know that the laugh crying emoji is not cool anymore? Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Did you People see my face? Said- my face just fell. <laughs> oh, no. Really? I use People- it all the time. The one to the side? Yeah, supposedly, like, Gen Z says it's not cool, and they're using skulls instead. Whatever. Anyways, oh, tangent. Whew. What do you think about names? I think – okay, so I want to hear yours first. Well, so I'm liking the sort of – you know, people are saying that it could be an homage to Diana where it's either – whether it's a boy or a girl, there's a lot of betting houses that are suggesting that it could be Diana for a girl or Spencer for a boy. I, actually, Spencer is kind of bubbling up for me as a really wonderful baby name. I love that. Also, somebody threw out Doria for a middle name, which is a smart guess. And someone else called out the origin of the name Wella is actually in Old English. It means a stream or a river, which I feel like when Archwell, they talk about like, well, as and they have all these symbolic meanings behind arch, arche, the Greek word for strength or um, what is it the Greek word for? Beginning source of action. Oh, source of action. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So who knows? But some good guesses. We'll put a pin on that until we. Yeah, talk I actually, about I think I like where your head's at, <laughs> Alexandra. That's a really smart. Yes. Yes. And now, this week in royal history. All right. Well, again, this is kind of going to be like a baby centric episode because there's just so much pouring in about this announcement for Megan. But we did think that it was very appropriate to spend our royal history talking about the fact that. Diana announced that she was pregnant with Harry 37 years ago on Valentine's Day. I feel like that synergy, we need to unpack that. So I <laughs> to go, go over it quickly, a little background just to give you guys the details. But So it was front page news on Valentine's Day in 1984. Similar to what happened with Harry and Meghan, 
Diana told the palace on February 13th, but it hit the papers on February 14th, Valentine's Day. So, and that's exactly what happened with Harry and Meghan. They, I think they told the, like, the Queen and Charles and everyone ahead of that, but it was, uh, an announcement was made by Buckingham Palace on February 13th, and that's why we heard about it on Valentine's Day in the newspapers. But yes, this was 37 years ago. When it was Diana, there was news that the queen was delighted and that Diane Charles also had no preference whether it was a boy or a girl. Uh, the betting odds at the time in 1984 were very high that it was going to be a girl, which kind of goes to show you that betting odds, I don't know, they kind of don't mean much, right? Because Harry is not a girl. Right. Uh, and also, you know, Diana, just a couple of days before the announcement, she went on a solo long weekend for, or not even a long weekend, 20 hours to Norway. Oh, wow. And it was a private trip. It was her first trip internationally without Charles. And she went to just check out a performance of Carmen that was being done by the London City Ballet. So she was kind of, you know, jet setting right before the announcement, which I thought was kind of, kind of cool. Is that a baby moon or is that? No, she was by herself. Yeah, she was just, she literally just went alone uh, to check out a performance. So, and then when she got back, the announcement broke that she was pregnant with Harry. And apparently there was a ton of speculation as well leading up to it where Mm. about the timing of baby number two. I mean, I think that this is where, I'm just so curious because I feel like Megan hopefully will not be subjected to what she went through the first time around. But it's like, you know, with Diana back in 1984, there was so much speculation before the announcement about what kind of age gap was she considering between William and Harry or well, mm. who we now know to be Harry. But also, you know, a lot of co- chatter about her weight loss, which we all know now she was going through a lot of um personal issues at the time, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. people, the tabloids and everything was were just merciless about that. Like, how will she possibly, you know, when will baby number two come if she's going through that? And just merciless. So I'm really like, I think for Megan, what a difference this will be this time around to not be subjected in the same way to what she went through the first time. I do like, though, that there is a similar age gap between, yeah. because I, I think that points to like, Harry loving having William as an older brother and growing up together and being pretty close in age and how Mm -hmm. Archie will hopefully experience the same thing. So I think that's exciting. Well, this was one really fascinating detail because I actually pulled up the the Daily Telegraph story from when Diana announced. And strikingly on the, you know, the first or second graph, it says the 22-year-old princess – is it 22? 22 when she was expecting Harry. I mean, think about that. She was married, had a first child, had a second child, and she was old, or was pregnant with her second child, and she was only 22. I, I I feel like we know this, and yet I always am just like blown away. Where were away you when you were 22, Roberta? Like, not think about having that. my second child. That's for sure. I mean, my brain was not even like, I feel like just my maturity level and, you know, it's just, it's so much pressure and to become a mother and all that stuff. So, and Megan, you think about is, you know, she's 39. So I think that for her, it's like, she's just much more set in who she is as a human being, of course. So. Right. And it's, it's, it feels easy for us to draw comparisons because we know that it, it feels, it's not a coincidence that their announcement came on the exact same day, 37 years later. But Mm -hmm. I think, we also need to remember how different of people they are in in their timing in life. I feel like as much as we want to draw similarities, they're so different. You I know? know. Well, it is interesting, though, because there are reports also that – I mean, I think that this is probably silly, but, you know, that the announcement timing from Harry and Meghan was just a lovely coincidence, but it was obviously that wasn't planned or anything like that. They couldn't have planned it, but I'm sure once she was pregnant – and they kind of knew that had a sense of the timing of what stage of pregnancy she'd be at. They probably did try to sync it up. Well, I I definitely wondered when they posted it 
posted the baby announcement on Valentine's Day, whether it would have occurred had they not won the trial or had it gone to a full trial, not a mm-hmm. summary judgment. And I don't know. I'm torn between thinking they still would have posted because of the the timing of I know. Well, I have Diana. some thoughts about that as well, which we can get into in terms should we, of that timing. Should we move yeah, on? Let's into, move on. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. But I do have some thoughts about the timing. All right. So first up. Megan and Harry, pregnant. <laughs> I want to ask first impressions, Rachel. What did you think? So I think my first impression, obviously, just like immense, immense joy. Like I I feel like I, I went back and reread her op-ed in the New York Times from November, which obviously talked about her miscarriage, which happened in July. Mm-hmm. I just – I'm so overjoyed for both of them because it's such happy news and also just knowing how much they've gone through in the past – in the past year. I mean, look, I think about where they were a year ago when they were just announcing their exit from the palace, you know, everything they've lived through. They never expected at that time to have a pandemic, you know, sort of this absolute reckoning of race, racial sort of uprising, everything going mm-hmm. on, you know, mm-hmm. internationally with that. And then also just sort of the trial. Uh, I feel like there's even there's been more the miscarriage. There's just been so much. So to kind of get to the other side of that and just the photo was so iconic, too. It really felt so hopeful and optimistic. But what was your reaction? It really did. I I mean, I feel like I want to say I I was overjoyed, over the moon, so ecstatic. But I also wasn't that surprised. I feel like you and I kind of thought that this could be coming. And I think a lot of people who felt like, the trial back in October was delayed and there was a confidential reason. There was reports that Meghan wouldn't be traveling with Harry this summer over to the UK for all of these, you know, big celebrations that are going to happen. Philip's birthday, the um, unveiling of the Diana statue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things. That, it was kind of like, why wouldn't she travel? Why, why are they delaying this case? So I think, you know, it's not as shocking, but... Definitely the November New York Times piece, The Losses We Share, I think that kind of put an end to a lot of speculation because a lot of people, you know, just ended some of the chitter chatter that was going on in in royal circles. And I think now to know that, you know, in that piece, she says at the end, are you okay? We will be. And I feel like they are like they they are okay and like everything's gonna be fine. Well, and I I I totally agree with you. And I did I think maybe this is a good moment to bring up the timing of of that because one thing that I was reading and sort of just kind of putting together is that just the fact that they did you know you talked about the trial ending and then the announcement coming like or Megan winning the trial basically mm-hmm. that I think that having that timing we know that when Megan. She asked for an extension for an undisclosed reason that was sealed. My question is, I mean, obviously the opposing counsel on the case knew the sealed reason. Mm-hmm. So if it was related to anything pregnancy-wise, would did they try to take control of the story, Harry and Meghan, just ahead of any sort of leaks or anything like that? Was that the reason for the timing? Because once the summary judgment was issued – maybe all bets are off that someone could leak it because the the mail on Sunday lost. I don't know. That's just sort of I'm curious. I thought about, about that. that too and and also that uh well, what else was mentioned behind closed doors that mm-hmm. no one knows about that the Daily Mail could kind of use to their advantage exactly. in print. And I do think there must be some kind of protection for the inform- I'm sure there's like an NDA or whatever, a confidentiality and we know that 
you know, the, ta- the British tabloids are not above breaching anything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the problem. They're not above any of it. So right. I, so maybe they felt like they really had to kind of claim the story for themselves mm-hmm. and, and publish it as soon as they could, which, you know, waiting a few days after Eugenie and <laughs> I don't know. Face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we'll get into that. But first, let's talk about – so. The formal statement was this. It read, We can confirm that Archie is going to be a big brother. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are overjoyed to be expecting their second child. Now, this was actually released informally from a PR team with the picture attached. The photographer, Misan Harriman, also posted the photo to his Instagram. So around the same time, it feels like all this information went out. I want to talk about the big differences between typical royal birth. Uh, baby announcements Mm -hmm. because usually there's no photograph there's no mention of the other children which I think it was huge to mention Archie and I thought that was really sweet yeah he's also Prince Harry's barefoot which we don't see the royals barefoot very much I know I know kind of exciting I loved that and he had like his little the little necklace his shirt was kind of like a little unbuttoned at the top he looked so at ease yeah or something Yeah. yeah But also in in a way, it, it stuck to the Sussex tradition and aesthetic a lot because they do have a lot of those black and white photos from mm-hmm. big announcements and events. So they had, you know, the one of their reception watching the fireworks. They had one from their wedding, uh, one from their engagement where Meghan's hand is on Harry's face and they're really close together. Uh, one from the christening, Archie's christening. So they kind of have these black and white photos, and it would be so beautiful. I feel like on a gallery wall, I can picture them oh my being gosh, all lined yes. up in their Montecito <laughs> home. Like that is just glorious. Yeah, and also it just felt like something that you know from Megan's past Instagram that she had to shut down when she became you know a part of the monarchy. Like it just felt like it would fit with that sort of aside from the black and white aspect. It was just very influencer, very beautiful, very you know just I I think it. It echoed her kind of days of the TIG and all that kind of stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And we have to give credit where credit is due to the photographer. So a little about Misan Harriman. He is a Nigerian-born Londoner. He took the photo from his home in Woking, London. Wanted to get that right. Um, so he actually took remote control of the Sussex's iPad, he revealed on Good Morning Which, what America. are the mechanics of that? That's one of the things that I was kind of, like, tripped over up over. I'm like, curious about that, too. I feel like it must be some sort of app that you can Yeah, because he's in the UK, and they're in, obviously, California. So I feel like it's just uh, – it speaks to the magic of technology during this time. Right. And also to – be able to coach them through, I guess, the the session, even though it seems like they really didn't need any coaching at all. Yeah. They really had it all figured out. But Misan actually, it's interesting. So he became the first black photographer to shoot the cover for British Vogue's important September issue, which and was I amazing. Think the very first black photographer ever. And like I think it was 108 years. They've never had a black photographer. Yeah, or a hundred for the company like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting too, Rachel. He only became a professional photographer five years ago. He was actually wow. had a career in finance. Oh my and gosh. I know. And now his images are some of the most successful images of the Black Lives Matter protests that really shot him to prominence in 2020. So I think that that's really astounding too that his rise to fame and then also that he's able to give interviews. I feel like that's huge that the Sussexes have allowed him to kind of go speak to journalists about this photo this, you know, photo and this photo shoot. 
um, giving him kind of more of a platform, which, you know, is always their causes to elevate underrepresented voices. And I think, you know, that was big. But also, so let's get into the photo symbolism. So, well, can I just say one other thing that about about Misan that I thought was interesting? Did you see yes. the, art, the interview that he gave with Vogue? Um, I think it was just regular Vogue. But I didn't realize, I knew that he has had a long-standing relationship with Harry and Meghan, but this quote from the interview was that, um, so he started by saying, to be asked to help share this absolute joy after such an unimaginable loss and heartache is a marker of true friendship. Sorry, my wrestling papers. Um, Meg reminded me that had I not introduced her to a mutual friend, then she wouldn't have met Harry. I'm grateful for whatever small part I played. So did Misan help? Can, did, is he also like a like a responsible for this whole relationship? I just thought I that was interesting. <laughs> I read that too, and I kind of I was like, wait, so how did they meet them? Because I thought it was Violet von Westenholds at a <laughs> tennis match. But did something get orchestrated behind the scenes that like led to that? Ten- I don't know. I mean, was what was the fr- like? Like, you should meet with this. I don't know. I need to go back into Finding Freedom and read that over again. Yeah, me too. There has to be some kind of connection, but that's amazing. And he was at their wedding, which is incredible. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. No, I love it. Um, So Misan also revealed that with the tree of life behind them and the garden representing fertility, life, and moving forward, they didn't need any direction because they are and always have been waltzing through life together as absolute soulmates. What a powerful what a beautiful statement. statement. I just love that. He also continued, he said that, oh, so he, he did say he connected Megan, he connected with Megan at a charity event. So maybe it was something with that event that he introduced them. I don't know, but he said We just that slip that out a little bit more. We, but. Need, we need to invest deep dive into that. But he says, she and Harry were so comfortable chatting and being in the moment that they were not fully aware he was shooting a piece of history. When you see people who have the connection they have, it's like reading the pages of a book. He says he captured their truth. I just love it. Yeah. I also, I looked up Tree of Life because I know that's like kind of a biblical reference, Mm -hmm. like the Garden of Eden, but it's also supposed to be located in paradise, a a place called paradise, which is between earth and heaven. So I feel like if they are kind of fully playing into that, I know Megan's religious and, and maybe she does draw from the Bible for some of her inspiration, but to have them be in Montecito in this beautiful home in California. Like, is that their paradise? I feel like that that's what it means to me. I don't know. I know. Well, and I just wanted to mention, because like, just going back to sort of that image, the Notting Hill comparisons, like that. Oh yeah, we have to talk about that. Because I feel like for me, I just, A, I loved Notting Hill. Did you watch Notting Hill as like, were you, was that a movie for you or? So I'm bound and determined to watch all of Julia Roberts' films now. We're laughing because Rachel always gets on me about not watching classics. Like, I've never seen You've Got Mail. I've never seen... I did watch When Harry Met Sally. But that was such a great moment. Can I share that moment that we were together at Dry Bar before, like, a work event? And (laughs) I was yammering on about something. And then (laughs) Roberta was like, shh, shh, shh. And I was like what are you doing? And they always play those great rom-coms in the background while you get your hair done. And you were watching When Harry Met Sally for the first time. That just was, I was like, Roberta, we are not going out. We are, you are going home. You are getting, you are streaming this movie now because this is like top five movies of your life. Well, and also it's not just that it's, it's not just that like that's an incredible movie that like everyone should see, but also that you, I feel like are a movie buff and have collected DVDs of all these movies (laughs) 
I have never seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh. I haven't seen so many classics. I know. So I'm starting I mean, with it's Julia Roberts. just what you grew up with. Like, I grew up with those being like, and I was a big, like, as a kid going to the movies. But the but so the Notting Hill comparisons of this shot, like, well, I just. Uh, wait, I want to mention, you'll be proud of me because I watched Mystic Pizza last <gasps> night. That's the start okay. of my Julia Roberts well done. kind of well you know, done. That's studies. a great one. Did you love yeah, it? So and then we can get off it. this tangent. I loved it. I loved it. All right, Notting Hill. Notting well, Hill. so Notting Hill. Like I just felt like for me, like as soon as I saw the photo, I mean, I needed people. I obviously like it wasn't me like having this eureka moment, but hearing other people kind of make the comparisons as well. Like I just heard the Elvis Costello song where it's like she may be the reason. Like I just couldn't. Rachel, you have such a good. Oh no, that was. <laughs> Um, but I think that it's just it's I can't imagine that they would go so far as to really like make that connection for themselves. But it had there had to have been some intention behind it, because as Lainey Gossip, I, I just want to read this part. So. The comparison that she explains very brilliantly is Notting Hill is about an Englishman who falls in love with an American actress and their relationship is tested by the tabloids. Well, the story of the House of Sussex is about a real life English prince who falls in love with an American actress and the British tabloids relentlessly attack their relationship. I mean, it's just so crazy. And then also just the fact that in I don't want to give it away, Roberta, because I away. feel like no, it's spoiler, a spoiler. spoiler. But like, most people who are listening have probably seen it. So also well, Julia Roberts character ends up leaving and moving to the UK to be with William Thacker, Hugh Grant. And it's the flip of that where Prince Harry has left the UK to be with his love. Meghan Markle. So I just, I think that the co- connections of that were just really brilliant. I hope that they thought of it. I loved that part of the announcement. So I'm going to take it one step further and yes, blow your mind. Please do. Who do you think Meghan Markle credits with going into acting? Stop it. Julia Roberts. There we go. It was all planned. <laughs> it was all planned. And in August 20, 2017 Glamour Profile, Meghan Markle said Julia Roberts inspired her to take up acting. In December of 2018, People Magazine interviewed Julia Roberts and asked them about being the inspiration for Meghan Markle to go into acting. And Julia Roberts said she would be floating on that all night. She was on a red carpet. Oh, my goodness. They, like, have girl crushes on each other. Like, it's not just Notting Hill. It's bigger than that. Also, one other thing I figured out, Notting Hill hit Netflix. Netflix, remember, is the Sussex's territory. Last year, on February 14th, <laughs> 2020, it's no longer on Netflix, which is a huge bummer. I hope oh, they get it back. Please bring it back. That's why I watched Mystic Pizza, because it is on Netflix, by the way, if you're wanting to watch that, which is inc- – it was incredible. But February 14th, like, the coincidence is, like, it's oh mind-blowing. This is amazing. This is This, this is, is why good. we love yeah. – this is why we love being royal fans. Like, this was yeah, what because it's, like, it all the incredible. Easter eggs of everything. It's, like, there's always just, like, this hidden sort of – oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about – yeah, the – Let's talk about the dress. Predict- yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the dress. The dress. So, Wes Gordon for Carolina Herrera. There's also some symbolism there. So, Wes Gordon – had a relationship with the Duchess. She actually attended one of his runway shows. She was front row uh, for his namesake label before he was with Carolina Herrera. In 2015, she has continued to support his work since he landed at Carolina Herrera. She wore that off-the-shoulder pink outfit that was Carolina Herrera mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. at Trooping of the Color, um, one of her first. The dress appears to be in a shade of white or cream, but... I so after a little digging realized that so she 
According to people, she actually had the gown custom made for her while she was pregnant with Archie. And the same collection that her dress that she wore in Morocco, that was Carolina Herrera, the blue one, maxi dress, flowing, silky dress. There's a dress in that collection that almost looks identical to the one she's wearing in this photo. Mm -hmm. And it's in a bright shade of yellow. So it could be white and cream because it's bespoke. It could be bright yellow, which I love yellow because it's a – isn't it kind of a neutral for boy yeah, it's or gender girl? gender neutral, yeah. I feel like a lot of people – right, for nurseries and stuff. So I thought that was really sweet. That is really um, sweet. I so also, even if it's white or cream, I think that's beautiful too. But Yeah, and we talk about Harry with the bare feet. I just wanted to say one other thing that I really liked that felt – very like just kind of proved how much Megan is in her own space in her element. Remember how much flack she got for ho- putting her hand on her baby bump throughout. The tabloids were just skewered her for that, and they yep. never gave Kate a hard time about doing it. When Kate right. often did the same thing, so I just really liked that her hand was in the picture, resting comfortably on her baby bump, which is a very natural pose, by the way, for anyone that is expecting. So it does feel like a clap back to those reports. Yeah, though, right. It does. Where they're like, "Is this some new age pregnancy <laughs> technique?" And like no. when Kate does it it's like oh how charming and then you know so just I think that that was probably well thought out um all right so now predictions girl or boy I know we obviously have no idea no idea (laughs) no idea I hope for a girl I always think back to that time Harry was asked and he said he hoped it was a girl this is before she was yeah and he also said he wanted a max of two kids so this fits that right he told he said in an interview and timing so You know, I think when I first heard about the Diana timing and how 37 years ago to the day she announced her pregnancy and then Harry was born in mid-September, I thought, oh, this is going to be a while. But according to sources and, you know, people have analyzed her bump, which feels super weird and I don't Mm -hmm. recommend that, but I do Mm -hmm. think that that's kind of a science all its own. Um, It could be late spring. So, and the reason I also say that is because when we talked about the trial – Back in October, they asked to move it to this fall for confidential reasons. That would mean if she, if she was a month into her pregnancy mm-hmm. at that point, that would mean she'd be due in May. Yeah, I think that that to me makes a lot of sense that that potentially was the reason for the extension because if she had just experienced a miscarriage in July, then I feel like she obviously didn't want to have added stress during any part of this pregnancy. Right. But as well, like, I think just leaning on sort of science a little bit too. Like, I think just from my personal experience, um, also just my sister is a NICU nurse and kind of talk. I know that 25 weeks is often considered like a safe place to kind of start putting it out into the world that you are expecting. You know, it's a very sensitive. Anyone do whatever feels best for you. But I think that that's like the second trimester and you're past a certain point. Um, that's often when people. Yeah. Of, so my yeah. question and just also looking at her bump size, I, I feel like spring seems late spring seems about right to me. But mm-hmm. And what about titles? So I think we have talked about this a little bit, but you know, they didn't want a title for Archie, who is mm-hmm. just Master Archie. And it's probably going to be the same for this child. Yeah. But this will be the first royal baby ever born in the U.S. if they stay here. And they modern could obviously – Modern Modern royal – modern monarchy. <laughs> modern monarchy. And – but they could go back and have the baby there. That's they not could. totally out Nothing of the question. Nothing is set in stone. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was also like – I think, you know, we're all over the place. But just talking about that, like – does this mean they're not going back to the UK at all this summer? I mean, it's going to get to a point where Megan can't travel. Uh, so just depending on the timing of everything, like 
will they, or if she does give birth in the late spring, will they end up going for some of the summer events? Like, but yeah, I don't know if they'll they'll deliver. In- What's the cutoff of traveling when you're pregnant? I think it's usually. Oh gosh, I want to say it's like it's definitely third trimester. I can't remember. Is it thirty six weeks, thirty two weeks I've, of like no travel, like on a plane, no plane flights? I think I I feel like it's after thirty six weeks. Oh wow, okay. It's just it's just a cutoff, and then they don't allow you to do it. That's like late into the. So she'd be in her ninth though. month. Yeah, right. She'd be right. in her ninth. Okay. Month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so the baby will be eighth in line to the throne. Mm-hmm. The queen has always said she wants. You know, when she, when they left as senior working members of the royal family last year, the queen said they will always be much loved members of my family. So we do know this will be the queen's tenth great grandchild. Tenth great grandchild. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Like no. Re- totally. I'm here um, for you. <laughs> Prince Charles's fifth grandchild, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, on, on his side. Right. Because I feel right. like he has through Pimela's That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so the royal family's response was positive. They said they were delighted about the news. There were reports that they were a little blindsided by the announcement. And they were told before but weren't aware that Harry and Meghan would announce it on mm-hmm. the day that they did. What do you think about Eugenie? Because I feel like we have to talk about that. I mean, it definitely is crazy that like, because didn't they announce Archie when it was her wedding? It was That's the, supposedly was... when they told the royal family about Archie. So here's my take. I feel like I don't think that they would, if that really was a problem, if Eugenie really was upset about that timing of Archie, I don't think that the Sussexes would try to steal her thunder again. So I feel like I think that everyone is cool with it. I, I just don't think that that's ever – I think that that's a ta- maybe potentially like a headline concocted story. Like I just don't yeah. believe – otherwise it would be really kind of crappy. I know. And I still am waiting – I mean we're all still waiting for the the name of Eugenie's baby and I'm mm-hmm. so excited and, and I cannot wait to find out. But – I don't know. It does. It feels like if you're Eugenie, that does kind of suck. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I I don't blame the Sussexes at all. I think that they, you know, the symbolism and winning the try, winning the summary judgment and all of that. But, but I I do feel like it also takes the pressure off of Eugenie, which maybe she's also thankful for because it's like everyone was so focused on that. And now she can just, just enjoy this time with her baby and not have to, not that she's in the, under the same spotlight, but I do think that there's, Maybe work right. there. So. And when people say, like, stealing her thunder, it's like they assume that she really wants, like, all of this media attention when yeah. it feels like – I mean, they really – Jack Brooksbank picked her up in the car and they really, like, rushed into the car. There was no, like, you know, out talking to the press or waving Nothing. to anyone or anything. So I think they did want to kind of remain under the radar. So. Yeah. All right. And the last bit of news from me, Oprah appearance from Meghan and Harry, <laughs> March 7th, 8 p.m. Eastern – on CBS 60 Minutes. It'll be a 90-minute special. Prince Harry is going to join later after just Oprah and Meghan talk. And it's their first sit-down interview since the engagement. I'm hoping for a walking shot. I read this on (laughs) Lady Gossip. I just have to point out. But it can't be 90 minutes of them just sitting. Like, they... Every producer is going to want that shot. Everyone's going to want to see them walking around their gardens, Meghan's bump... So I'm super excited for that. Also, I hope some chatter about her role as an investor. Like, I think just I hope we really get a full picture of what the Sussex's life is like right now. I mean, Oprah's going to ask the tough questions. Come on, friend or not. 
here's what the press release says. It says, Winfrey will speak with Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, in a wide-ranging interview covering everything from stepping into life as a royal, marriage, motherhood, philanthropic work, to how she's handling life under intense public pressure. Later, the two will be joined by Prince Harry as they speak about their move to the United States and their future hopes and dreams for expanding their family. So, I mean, will they get into their their royal exit? I think just, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be more so about them being happy together and enjoying their new life and not so much about... I still don't think that they're going to under undermine the queen. Or right. any, I just think that they have way too much respect and they care about their family, I think, at the end of the day. But that's my that's my prediction. I might be totally wrong. I love to the March 7th date because hmm. that's the exact date that they had those last big events, those three events in the UK. So oh, March right. 5th was the March 5th of 2020 was the iconic umbrella shot by Samir Hussein of them walking into the Endeavor Fund Awards. March 7th was the Mountbatten Festival of Music with that red cape dress and Harry and his military regalia. And then March 9th was Commonwealth Day Services. So it's really to the day, a year later, how has it all played out? And I think they'll focus more on that in the year, that year in review and, and less about R2L's time be, before. I think yeah. there'll be a lot of that too. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I think we've covered most of this at this point, but what a what a weekend. Oh, I wanted to play one little clip yes, yes. from their ITV interview with Tom Bradby. This was kind of their last, Megan's last interview that we saw her um, formally do. So here, here's that. I've said for a long time to H, that's what I call him. Yeah, um, it's okay. <laughs> um, It's not enough to just survive something, right? Like, that's not the point of life. You've got to thrive. You've got to feel happy. And I think I really tried to adopt this British sensibility of a stiff upper lip. <laughs> it has its, you know, it has its <laughs> advantages, tried, I, I really guess. I really tried. Um, but I think that what that does internally is probably really damaging. Um, and the biggest thing that I know is that I I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. And that's the part that's really hard to reconcile. But um, I don't know, just do take each day as it comes. I do think, you know, and we're going to get into the trial, but I do think after the, the baby news, Oprah interview, the trial win, they really are thriving. They're not just surviving and they've made good on that promise. And and to see them kind of take control of their narrative and own their stories is really exciting. So. Well, I also, you know, again, going back to that that photo, it's like there's just so much peace in that image. Mm-hmm. You know, you really see contentedness, contentment. So I'm happy for them. Especially after all that they've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, for the women going through something like that, I feel like there's so much hope in this photo too. There and is. It's it's just it's so powerful. We have to have a watch party for the Oprah yeah. interview. What are we, we we need to strategize we, about that? <laughs> we should. Okay. We'll figure that out. We'll All offline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and let you guys know. 
Okay, well, moving on. We don't have that much time left, but I wanted, we definitely, like we said, it's a Sussex Megan-focused episode. Um, Her mega trial win, which was a huge, huge thing just ahead of this pregnancy news. She won her summary judgment against the Associated Newspapers, which is the parent company of the Mail on Sunday. And Judge Mark Warby, his ruling was that the newspaper breached her privacy and copyright by publishing the Thomas Markle letter that she wrote to her dad right ahead before her wedding to Prince Harry. So basically what's what this means with the summary judgment is that there won't be a trial. So she won't have a moment where she has to face her dad in court on on the witness stand for the mail on Sunday. She also won't have to call any of the, you know, there was rumors or speculation that she would have to call the friends that spoke to People magazine that would have up to this point, been anonymous to the witness stand. Omid Scobie and Carolyn Duran might have been called to the witness stand. Mm-hmm. The four palace aides would have been awkwardly called to the witness stand. All of that is canceled. Like, that is not happening. She won this case very clearly. Um, it's also a huge victory after five years of mistreatment. I mean, she has five really years. endured just so much, just ever since she kind of came onto the scene with her relationship. So I did I did want to read just an excerpt of her statement that she gave. She said, After two long years of pursuing litigation, I am grateful to the courts for holding associated newspapers and the mail on Sunday to account for their illegal and dehumanizing practices. These tactics and those of their sister publications, Mail Online and the Daily Mail, are not new. In fact, they've been going on for far too long without consequence. For these outlets, it's a game. For me and so many others, it's real life, real relationships, and very real sadness. The damage they have done and continue to do runs deep. And I mean, I I definitely, if you haven't read the full statement, please read it. You know, she also says, I particularly want to thank my husband, mom, and legal team for, and and especially Jenny Afia for her unrelenting support throughout the process. And I looked up Jenny Afia as the head of the legal team at Mm -hmm. Schillings and that she has a lot of experience in uh, privacy. So it's just, I mean, it's just such a win for for Megan, but a win for the royal family too. That's what I was going to say. I feel like they... Interesting thing is that for all the naysayers who feel like, you know, this is putting the free press in shackles, basically, I do feel like the palace wanted the win, too. They don't want to get into the nitty gritty and messiness of all that's going on behind the scenes with those, you know, the palace four that came forward and might have to testify. I don't think that they would want that at all. And so I think this is a win for everyone, really, except associate newspapers. Yeah, and I think it just – it really – puts the power in the copyright holder. I mean, we know that Prince Charles won the case when he his uh, personal diary was excerpted. But I think that it it's just, it's hard to determine what is within the public interest in, in a situation like this. But it's about, it's bottom line, it's about permission. Like, I think that, did they have permission to publish a personal letter? No, they didn't. I mean, that was, yeah. that was her own, you know, it, it, it just doesn't mean that it's a no holds barred approach because she's in a position, in a public you know, a public persona or public person. It really all for me boils down to this one quote from Justice Warby. He said, one's correspondence with others is presumptively private in nature. Like, of course, like it was a letter to her father. It was handwritten. It was sent to him via post so that it wouldn't be intercepted electronically. Like, all of these things, it's like she didn't assume that it would get leaked. And I do think that 
you know, the precedent it sets. The Daily Mail has come under fire for this a lot, especially in the past few years. They've they've had a lot of lawsuits against them, a lot of litigation. I mean, Harry just won one of those lawsuits, too, that, about, you know, just sort of his military, that he turned his back on the military. Right. You know, I think I do think this also just sets a precedent that for Harry and Meghan, it's also a massive win because it shows that they're going to litigate. If you go after them on a personal level with, you know, they are they are not going to take it in stride. I'm curious about the damages because I think that's the next kind of step is determining damages. And I know Megan has said she would want to donate those damages just as Harry did for that case that you mentioned, the military one. Um, so I, in my research, found that Megan would possibly, because of British law and how it's set up, be entitled to the profits from the Daily Mail's advertising or story from uh, – I don't know exactly how they calculate that. It seems like kind of intricate, but she would be entitled to some of the profits of the Daily Mail could range anywhere from 300,000 pounds to millions of pounds. Wow. And that's on top of them paying the legal fees. So they have to start by just the, the ground level is just paying the legal fees. And then on top of that is the damages. So it's it's going to be a massive amount. So. Yeah, and that's what comes next. So there's going to be a hearing on March 2nd that delves into the copyright, and that's specifically who is entitled to receive some of the damages. So there's a chance that pal- one of the Palisades, like Jason Kanoff, who potentially helped write the letter, is he entitled? That's what they're going to be working out on March 2nd. So anyways, a huge victory. What a week. <laughs> so, so exciting. All right, well, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low this week, Prince Philip was just admitted to King Edward VII Hospital in London. So we just got the news this morning. In a statement, Buckingham Palace said the Duke's admission is a precautionary measure on the advice of His Royal Highness's doctor after he felt unwell. The Duke is expected to remain in the hospital for a few days for observation and rest. And according to sources, Philip walked into the hospital by himself after traveling by car. It was not an emergency admission. The illness is not COVID-related. And the Queen is still at Windsor Castle, but still very sad and we're worried about Prince Philip. Yeah, that was, we got that ping right as we were starting to record. So we're definitely keeping tabs on that. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, my low of the week is is much more frivolous. <laughs> it's just the the re- the reality check that Kate's LK Bennett sweater was sold out as soon as I wanted to buy it. It was from her Zoom call with Little Village, which is one of the largest baby banks in the UK. Uh, I just loved the LK Bennett polo that she chose. It's like that black stitch with the little collar and the you know the buttons going down. Yeah. I just loved it, and I I saw it pretty immediately, but it was gone in seconds. So. Well, I think it's interesting that we talk about this next week with Bethan, but, you know, how do you score things that the Royals have worn before it gets sold out? So stay tuned yeah, for that. Yeah, stay tuned for that. <laughs> we all need that. It, I guess it's not really advice. It's just the intricacy of everything. But I, I love that sweater, too. I feel like she's really up to her Zoom game with It's just outfits. like, I think it just, I'm so into the allure of, like, the Zoom top. I think that's what I'm mm. focused on. Like, it's like, you really need something that's so striking and has some sort of detail above the frame, is, which is kind of just where we are at right now. Yeah. Collar flare. Collar flare. Nice. <laughs> 
All right. My high this week is that a Downton Abbey star is actually helping get jabs, as the UK, as they say in the UK, into people's arms. So Hugh Bonville, who is known for playing Lord Grantham on Downton Abbey, is helping give out the vaccine. He's actually volunteering as a marshal at a vaccination center near his home in West Sussex. His job is to welcome people and put them at ease ahead of their injections. Strangely, he wears a cowboy hat with his neon green marshal blazer. I don't think Robert Crawley would ever approve, no. but <laughs> I do I do love that he's doing that. And I hope I get my vaccine soon. I know. I I've know. heard by the end of July, so Ugh. we'll see. I know. Well, I did want to end my high going back to Princess Eugenie. I just, um, I loved her hospital exit photos. I feel like she looked so just kind of, I think we're so used to that Linda Wing moment where Kate has left and it's like this, you know, Kate is very good at kind of showing herself in the natural moment, but she's also had blowouts and all of that stuff. And I think Eugenie just looked like a real mom to me. Like she was in the backseat. She looked a little like flustered, but she looked happy and glowing and all of that stuff. She had her nap dress on from Hill House, uh, yeah. which I have to say, I just bought one, but I had you to. Did? I did. I did. Thank you, Christine Ross, if you're listening, because I used your I promo code. I have two code. already. What? Did I you have buy two a dress already. this time? No. I <gasps> had for, so I had one in the summer, which was when they were first, like really came on the scene, a white one. and then I, I love it. And then I have a plaid one that's almost exactly like hers, Ugh. but it's red. I love which it. Which one? Which pattern did you I get? just got their new collection, the English Garden Collection. It was like the light blue, the HRH blue, <gasps> as Elizabeth Holmes would call it. I love that color. <laughs> so I can't wait to wear it. I think I want to get a matching one. Yeah, match. please do. Please do. But anyways, <laughs> just, I just feel like it means a lot to moms to see kind of that disheveled appearance because it's a really stressful moment. So anyways, Princess Eugenie, you're um, amazing and we're excited yeah, for you as well. Definitely. It's almost taking that um, – when Megan came out with her postpartum baby bump to the next yeah, level with that. So exactly setting a good example for, for pregnancy photos. All right. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a Royal rating. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. So you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And you can also follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito and I'm at RKB NYC. And you can follow the, join the Facebook group, Royally Obsessed, and drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Till next week, God, God save, save the, the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.